I'm going to read from 1 John chapter 4 now. Um, so if you've got a Bible in front of you or a phone uh, with the with version app on it, um, then, then do, uh, do turn to 1 John chapter 4. Um, I'm going to read just the first six verses of that chapter. Brilliant. So 1 John chapter 4, and it says this. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now has already come into the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognise the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Brilliant. Well, if you've um, got, if you could keep your Bibles open, um, that'd be great. I'm just going to find my, my, my talk here. Um, there we go. Uh, if you could, if you could um, keep your Bible open, uh, we're going to look at that passage right now. And one of the reasons that John writes this whole letter, actually, is because he wants his readers to have a robust faith. Because as he points out in our passage this evening, one way that the devil wants to pull us away from Christ is by sending people to the church who twist the truth about Jesus. That's what the false teachers were doing. So John wants his readers to be alert to false teaching. So he starts this section by saying, guys, listen, you need to test the spirits. And in a little bit, I'll explain the two ways that John wants his readers to do that. But firstly, look with me at verse one to see what he means by test the spirits. He says this, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So John says this because it follows on from what he said earlier in 3.24. Let me just read read that to you. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. So John is saying in in 3.24, be assured, guys, we know we belong to God because the spirit of God dwells in us. The spirit is a, is a personal testimony of the gospel working in our hearts. But then there's a kind of obvious problem with saying that. And that's simply this, that uh, um, it's not just John who's saying that true believers um, have the spirit of God in them. The false teachers are saying the same thing. The false teachers are claiming that they have the spirit of God in them. So John's saying... There are a lot of false teachers out there. 
and they also claim to have the spirit, but they belong to the devil. And John says, test the spirits. And what he means by that is behind every false teacher are unseen spiritual influences that guide a person's speech and actions. And what we can do is see by a person's speech and their actions as to whether they belong to Jesus. And those are the two ways that we test the spirit. The first is to watch out for false teaching. Look at their speech. Watch out for false teaching. So that's what he says in in verse two and the first part of verse three. He says this. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So the false teachers that had infiltrated the church that John was writing to, well, they were denying that Jesus was from God in human form. In other words, they denied that Jesus came from God and said he was nothing more than a special person. Now, now what I find interesting about these verses is that John is saying, do you know, the thing that is most important here is the identity of Jesus. The absolute issue that Christians ought to stand up for is who is Jesus? And that's because unless Jesus is who the Bible says he is, in all his fullness, in all his glory, then his work on the cross cannot save completely. So here's an example. Unless Jesus is fully God, he could never have lived a sinless life. If he never lived a sinless life, then as a sinner, Jesus cannot completely save. But also, unless Jesus is fully human, he can't represent humanity when he dies on the cross and take the wrath of God. Now, history tells us that the church has needed strong men and women who hold firmly to the truth of Jesus and stand up to false teaching. So my my favourite true or false Christmas question is this. True or false, has Father Christmas ever been arrested? And the answer is true. In 325 AD, the real Saint Nicholas, who we today have come to know as Father Christmas, uh, was in a massive debate uh, about the identity of Jesus. Uh, the, The debate was called the Council of Nicaea. And Nicholas was getting more and more wound up by a bloke called Arius. And in the end, he just rushed across this council chamber and slapped Arius across the face, at which everybody was so shocked that a bishop would behave like that, that they threw him in jail. Big moment in church history. But why was Nicholas so wound up? Because Arius wanted everyone to believe that Jesus was not equal to God. And he was that passionate about the truth of the identity of Jesus that his passion got the better of him. He walked across the room and gave Arius a bit of a slapping, which, to be fair, in my opinion, Arius needed. Let's move on. Um, more seriously, though, one of the reasons we've got freedom in this country to worship the Jesus of the Bible is because Christians have been willing to go to the stake to be burnt because they would not deny what the Bible says about who Jesus is. So 450 years ago, during the Reformation, Thomas Cranmer, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley were all burnt to death on the Broad Street in Oxford because they stood for the truth that Jesus is fully God 
and fully man. And he's the all-sufficient savior. They were, they, they, were, they were killed for believing and holding to that truth. And, and listen, we have to be careful not to enter into a witch hunt. But at the same time, if we're to be biblically positive about Jesus, then we have to be humbly negative about error. Uh, to sit on the fence or to try to brush wrong thinking about Jesus under the carpet is to put the lost in danger. How so? Well, for example, if like Catholicism says, uh, we say there must be something else that completes Jesus's work to get us into heaven, like our good deeds or, or prayers to the saints, then we say Jesus's death is not sufficient to forgive every sin that we've committed. We begin to trust more and more in other things that save rather than the precious, loving, mighty, sufficient work of Jesus who died on the cross to save us completely. And in this sense, discernment, that word means being awake to false teaching is actually loving, isn't it? Because by insisting we preach and share Christ and Christ alone as saviour, it means that we preach a powerful Lord, one who's, who, who, whom the Spirit testifies to, the Jesus who alone can save. And as we preach Christ alone who saves, well, the lost here and trust him rather than find themselves enslaved to, to another gospel, to a moralism. And when we're discerning, the church recovers the power of the gospel message. It's wonderful. And when we're discerning, it's, it's a, a refreshing gospel. It's, it's refreshing for our world to hear truth and not simply something that tries to fit in with everybody else. When we're discerning, we're not wanting to be liked. We're wanting to people to be saved. The church uh, finds itself full of compassion, full of love for the lost. And when we're discerning, we can be trusted. Because we tell the truth, however hard the hit is, we tell the truth. Now, you might be wondering, how do we become discerning? Well, one way is to become a questioning listener. In other words, let's not just accept what we hear about Jesus. Let's think about it. Let's question it. And if there's something we don't understand or seems confusing, well, do you know, we can ask a friend who might be more mature in the faith or, or our small group leader or, or, um, or one of the elders. Do you know, they're there to, to help us uh, understand better. A another way is to learn and read doctrine. I hope that doesn't sound scary to you. That word doctrine simply means that stuff that explains the biblical truth about God. It, it doesn't have to be heavy. A good book on doctrine actually should lead our hearts to praise. We, we should uh, be reading doctrine and going, oh, my word, this is just blowing my mind. I am amazed at God more and more and more and more. And if, if you're thinking about, well, where do I start? Um, I, I've just got a, a, a few books here um, that, that might just give you a hand. Well, one is called, here we go, um, Bite Size Theology. Brilliant book. Literally, each chapter is three pages long. Um, and and it, it, it's got questions at the end for application. Really, really, really good. If you want to start it for 10, this is the way to go. Bite-sized theology by Peter Jeffrey. Um, another one is, um, is Wayne Grudem's uh, 20 Basics Every Christian Should Know. Again, Grudem 
he's like the kind of he's like the modern he's like the modern bloke who's made doctrine trendy uh if if ever it could be uh work with me um but he's kind of made it really understandable really accessible um and this is slightly bigger probably sort of five or six chapters each uh, um, six pages each chapter but wayne grudem is a great guy um to, to read and, and a good book to start with as well but um my last one is this book, um, Bible Doctrine. Um, it, it's good to just have on your shelf. Again, by Wayne Grudem, it's, it's slightly thicker. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those books where if you're confused about what the Bible has to say about an issue, it's great having that on your shelf because you just go to it. Ten pages later, uh, you are much wiser and much more settled on something that's confusing. Guys, can I encourage us? To be discerning, a good place to start is uh, by being an active listener, uh, by, by, by finding more about the great truths of God that really warm our hearts and change our minds and give us real confidence in who Jesus is uh, in, in our God. So that's the first thing. John tells us to test the spirits by being discerning about what false teachers teach. But the second way is it's literally to look out for how the false teachers live. Let me read verse four to you. It says this, dear children, you are from God and have overcome them because the one is in, who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So, so John is saying here that his readers have overcome the false teachers. And what he means is they've seen through the lies and the false teachers' lives and, and they've stuck to the truth. And because his listeners, his readers have stuck to the truth, it shows a spiritual truth behind what's happening in them. It's saying that Jesus is truly in them. And because they've not listened to the false teachers, actually the Jesus in them is greater than the devil who rules the false teachers. That's a wonderful truth, isn't it? And then he goes on to verse five and says, Do you know, you can see what the false teachers are all about by looking at their lives. Verse five says this, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. So John tells them to examine the false teachers' lives because, says John, the false teachers' lives are characterized by belonging to the world. So when they speak, they speak from the viewpoint of the world because they're teaching about the person of Jesus, who uh, they're teaching about a Jesus who is shaped by worldly categories. And in many ways, their, their teaching will be popular with the world because it resonates with it. So, for example, take the prosperity gospel. Simply put, the prosperity gospel legitimizes greed. There's nothing better in this world than to have our greed spiritualized. That longing for a big car or the fancy house or the better job, all in the name of godliness. And the false teacher, the false prosperity teacher, will have a life that follows that. The big car, the, the, the big house, the Learjet. Now, one of the blessings of our time is that we've got so much access to Bible teaching on social media and Bible apps and, and popular TV channels. And, and I imagine because of lockdown, many of us are using them more than ever. But John says, look. Be discerning, because not everyone who claims to teach from the Bible will be teaching the truth. 
And he says, you know, just examine these guys' lives. Just look at the way they're living, how, uh, they're, they're, how what they're teaching and the way they're living matches up to the Bible. And unfortunately, false teachers don't have a big sticker on their forehead saying, warning, false teacher. So we might have to do a bit of research before, we're fully, before we fully accept what we're taught. And look, it doesn't take long. Uh, to, to just do a little bit of research about the lives of our favourite speakers, their backgrounds, what other teachers they're affiliated with, or even, do you know what, a simple Google search on their name with Inland Revenue attached to it will reveal a massive, massive amount about whether we're listening to someone um, who's in trouble with the law. When we're listening to them, let's not listen just to what they say but also what they don't say, what they don't say about their lives, how they're living. And conversely, you know, there's so much rich teaching out there about God. And, and, and you know, the Bible and, and the, 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 as, you know, the Bible just tells us, you know, it's a shame um, to be listening to the wrong people whose lives are, are inconsistent with the truth. But it's such a blessing um, to listen to those who are controlled by the Spirit. Because those who are controlled by the Spirit make a difference. And that's what he says in verse 6 at the end. He says this, we are from God. Brothers and sisters, we are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us. But whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Do you know, that's a kind of a summary verse of all that John's been saying in these verses. John wants his readers to see that Christians who embrace the gospel listen to the truth that John's shared with them. And that gives them truth. Uh, that gives them power, rather, to live lives that are different to the world. Lives full of truth and power. The false teachers, well, they reject John's testimony. They turn away from God. And that rejection leads to false teaching, teaching worldly values about, uh, as biblical truth, and false witness, they, they just live like the world does. And John's saying, you know, the gospel doesn't do that. Here's an example. As, as I was preparing this talk, I came across a story told by Don Carson. And he tells of uh, uh, when he was a student, he was really wanting to share uh, Jesus with one of his friends. But there were times when he'd get stuck with questions that his friend would ask. And so he'd take them to see a wiser student uh, who was doing further studies at his university. And one time, Don took one of his non-Christian friends to see this older student called Dave. And as they sat in Dave's room having tea, Dave asked the friend, well, why have you come here? And the student said, well, I come from a very moral upright home where I was taught about right and wrong. But it's not a Christian home. So I don't see what Christianity has to offer me. I'm pretty good without it. And Dave paused and said, watch me. And there was a bit of a shocked silence. And he said again, watch me. Come and live with me if you want. Watch how I talk, how I spend my time, how I spend my money and the way I behave with people. And then tell me whether or not being a Christian makes a difference. 
You see, Dave's conviction was that normal Christianity will shine in this world because Christians listen to the Spirit and are shaped by him. You know, Carson goes on to say that Dave's life and words so shone with the love of Christ that the young man became a Christian and went on to become a medical missionary. Because Dave's life belonged to Jesus and not to the world, that great gospel truth shone through his life and helped by that, the student found a relationship with Jesus for himself. And that's what, that's what John is saying to us tonight. If we want to be sure we're Christians, well, walk in the truth. Be discerning. Examine what false teachers are saying. Hold our teachers accountable and see whether their message is from God, from the Bible. Look at their lives. See how they walk and whether their walk is in accordance with the truth. And you know the big thing we're to do is to rejoice. Rejoice that the gospel message makes the hugest difference. It shapes us. It molds us. It makes us. It saves us. It gives us joy in the darkest places. It gives us true life. So John is saying, preach that message. Preach that message with words, with life. And let that message resound in this world that needs it more than anything. I'm just going to pray now and then we're going to go out into breakout groups. Um, I've got one. uh, I thought it'd be good to have a bit of a question um, that hopefully we'll um, uh, we'll be able to to think further through. Um, But let me pray. And um, and and then and then I'll, I'll, I'll share that question with you. Father God, um, we praise you um, for the great truth of the gospel that shapes your people, that shapes uh, true teachers of the gospel, that shapes our lives. Lord God, as we um, as we grow in our faith, may we grow also in discernment. May we be able to work out just to just to think through what people are saying and whether what they're saying is consistent with your truth. Whether what they're saying about Jesus is, is the truth and, 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 and upholds him as the only true saviour, the only light, the only way. Father God, may our Jesus be proclaimed in this world by true, by true followers of the truth. And Father God, may we examine the lives of those who share your gospel with us. Lord, may they live lives that are consistent with your truth. And Father, may we also uh, be the same, so that the great liberating gospel might resound from us. For your glory's sake. Amen.